0: tips the pro tips for social health living with good recovery with my diet so that I can still go out to dinner with friends or be on a date or whatever and not feel completely wrecked all right all right so this video is really about how to maintain a social life dating whatever it is that you want to do socially in my experience when you're on a carnivore ancestral alignment type lifestyle especially with diets like carnivore diet and ketogenic diets they can be quite restrictive and I have gone down the path for a long time living the very strict healthy healthy lifestyle but I've seen my social life suffer and I have made adjustments as I have sort of learned to navigate this world get the benefits of the healthy lifestyle while tricking my body and my overall approach to things so I can still stay on task so in this video we're gonna talk a lot about some of the hacks that I do I've got like five or six bits that I want to share with you throughout the video The, the tips the pro tips That have really helped me stay on track with good sleep with good recovery with my diet so that i can still go out to dinner i can have dinner with friends or be on a date or whatever or i can just stay up later on the weekends and not feel completely wrecked and all that while i'm still on the ancestral alignment plant obviously just eat in you can just suggest having dinner at your place and that you cook A lot of times people on a date want to do that, and that's great. Some people aren't comfortable because you're maybe on your first date and they're just not there yet, but for a lot of people, it's totally fine, and if you have a good level of comfort with the person, you can just eat in. Or if you're hosting, I oftentimes just suggest that. Let me get the food, I'll cook it, or I'll prepare steak. It's really easy to cook a lot of steak for people. You just throw up a big cutting board, you get some big cuts, you slice it up, you grill it, there's not much to it. So eating in is a very good option. It's the best value. You're gonna get the best quality food. You aren't gonna worry about any sort of oils or mixed ingredients in your food. And I find that most of the time, that's kind of my go-to suggestion across the board, just because I can get food for the person, I can get food for any of my guests, that I can accommodate, but I can also make sure that I'm eating really clean and preparing and and dealing with all that. And then you can go for a drink after. We'll talk about alcohol here in a second, but you can always do the drinks after and go out and get those, but the food is critical. We had a Super Bowl party the other weekend and I ate some of the food and I paid dearly. I keep getting reminded of how much better I feel when I stay true to my plan and I really just stay consistent, the short-term thirty seconds hour of just indulging in crappy food, it's really not worth it for me. I have I don't even see the benefit. I don't even I don't even feel a desire to do the benefit. Um, the way I do with like alcohol, for example, where it just kind of loosens you up a little bit, it kind of takes the edge off, makes people a little more social, puts them in a little bit of an altered state where they can sometimes feel a little more free and have more fun. And I see the benefit of that. And I don't necessarily have the same consequences when I'm drinking if I choose my drinks well. So we'll talk about drinks here in a sec, and then we'll jump into some of the sleep stuff. Speaking of alcohol, you're probably wondering what are the best alcohols? So the lighter the booze in general, the easier it's gonna be on you. So when you're drinking things like vodka, or even something like a Bacardi rum, you're gonna do better to just have those types of drinks than a darker bourbon, say like a bullet bourbon or something like a Woodford Reserve or a bullet rye or a scotch. And then if we're talking about something like a cognac or Hennessy, you're not gonna, you're not really gonna have the same recovery, if you will. I also find Truly's to be fairly tolerable, and most people like them. They're kind of light, easy drinking. They're not the best. Look, we're talking about drinking, so none of this stuff is gonna be that great for you. A lot of it's to be garbage. I know people are gonna put comments on the video and tell me it's total crap, and I get that. White Claws as well, I keep them around. I don't mind them, I don't drink them, for the most part, unless I'm on a boat, because I just like drinking beers on a boat, and that just seems like the better move for me. But I find that truly, especially the lemonades, In my opinion are some of the best and yes i know there's chemicals but it's a good trade-off for me especially being in a hot climate like austin where we get frequent days over 100 degrees throughout the summer and you're out on the water and you want something to just kind of drink while you're on a boat i keep sugar-free red bulls again i'm not doing caffeine so for me it's more of a mixer and then i like these colas a lot i have uh, several of the zevia colas if you're gonna drink something and you want to have coca-cola as a mixer It's gonna be one of the better caffeine-free options with no sugar. It uses stevia. So as I mentioned with the booze, the the lighter stuff, especially tequila and vodka, in my experience, the higher quality silvers and clear vodka is gonna be cleaner and you're gonna feel better on it. The darker booze, like the bourbons, the scotches, those those are gonna be a little harder harder to process, a little bit heavier on you, and you're gonna have probably a bit more of a hangover, a little bit more, challenge with it i'm not a big big drinker if i go out i usually never get drunk i just get a nice little buzz and i might have a couple drinks at the beginning of the night to kind of just get into a state and then maybe a drink every hour and a half or two hours so over the course of the night i might have three or five drinks throughout the whole night and i might mix in some water while i'm doing that and that seems to do pretty well for me and get me to that state where i want to be there's one last mixer that I use, it's called a sparkling ice. They're kind of like water that's carbonated, so it's like sparkling water with flavor, and I love those for mixers. They're, they're using sucralose, so that's not the best, but it does, you know, everything you, you do in life, you're gonna have some level of toxicity for the most part in the modern world, and I find that those are a pretty good compromise to adding in just straight sugar, because I have done a CGM, worn a continuous glucose monitor, and looked at my blood sugar, And I find that when I add a lot of sugar into my drinks throughout the night, I end up having a lot more blood sugar spiking and I sleep a lot more poorly and I have a much worse next day because of it. So I'm kind of making a trade off there for some chemicals that probably aren't most optimal for me, but it's all a quality of life equation, everything is. So you have habits and things you want to indulge in and you need to make the decisions and try to mitigate the damage and the risk from those habits so you can get the benefits from those. One more note, wine is not good for you. I have tested my blood sugar on wine, it's it's terrible. It, It completely wrecks your blood sugar, especially when you sleep. I have done tests, you can go back to my video on the CGM, you can see my blood sugar was like way in the hundreds while I was sleeping, usually it's down in the low 80s when I drink wine and not even that much, maybe a few glasses of wine before going to bed. So for all you people who love wine, I hate to tell you this, but wine does not love you back. And it's probably the worst things you can drink in terms of metabolic health and your overall sort of body. So drink it because it's delicious. I freaking love wine, especially the big Italian, super Tuscans, some of the big Barossa Valley, Australian Shiraz's are amazing. And every now and then, Again, it's a trade-off. I know I'm gonna pay the price physically. I'm not doing it every day. I'm doing it you know, on occasions with like the holidays or whatever. I think that's a fair trade-off. And for me, the experience of having that, that bottle with my family or with someone close and sharing that experience is worth the health benefits. I don't think it's worth it on a regular basis. I don't think it's worth it to drink wine by yourself and use it as a sort of wind down wine. I think it's much better if you're gonna drink at all during the week, during, a, as I like to say, school night, do it when you're, um, like try to move more towards clearer, lighter alcohols because those are much easier on your body and your blood sugar, but it's all about what you want. That's really the drink side of things. Overall, it's a choice and you can mitigate some of the damage. I think for the most part, if you're only doing it a couple nights a week or maybe even once a week, you're fine. If you're living a really healthy lifestyle, your body will recover and you're not going excessive with it, then I think it's almost probably a benefit to kind of blow off some steam and just kind of give you that outlet, especially in times like now where people are cooped up all the time, they have limited social opportunities and you need something to kind of get away from being on a screen or being working all day work mode. I was actually looking for carnivore meals to go out to dinner and just go grass-fed restaurants, Austin. You've got Holy Cow Burgers, which is a little south of me. You've got True Food Kitchen, which is pretty much my go-to right now. They have a lot of options for anyone if they're vegan or carnivore. And then you've got Flower Child, which is kind of a cafe, but you can go into the map and you can do the search and you can find these restaurants and you can look at reviews you can look at locations and you can just find places and learn more about what they offer and get details Yelp right here comes up as the first search result and you can see here they are also indexing several restaurants and giving us options La Barbecue they offer grass-fed barbecue in this market so they give you options there as well um, Salt and Thyme is in a butcher shop and you may have to budge a little bit on the grass fed thing, not every restaurant, a lot less restaurants are going to be grass fed, but you're going to find plenty of restaurants where you can find a keto carnivore diet option. You know, sometimes they have like duck, they have duck liver, um, they'll do eggs, things like that. So you've got options to kind of work with within the food options that you can look at. The big thing with eating out is just making sure that you set yourself up for success and plan a little bit ahead of time and find restaurants that are gonna offer you the food options that you're gonna need. If you do that and you know it ahead of time, you're not gonna have any problems. One more thing I wanna stress is the power of intermittent fasting and the power of not snacking late. In fact, I am not really a big fan of snacking period. I think it trains your subconscious and your mind to really eat crappy food all the time. So in general, I just eat two meals a day the vast majority of the day. And even on the weekends when I'm kinda letting loose and relaxing more, I never really snack i think snacking is a very sort of short-term mentality it doesn't do anything for your body for the most part unless you're really starved and you're you're out on a trail or something and you're running miles and you need that energy it's really not necessary most people if you have a substantial nose to tail meal carnivore diet even a ketogenic diet you're gonna have plenty of calories and you're gonna be fairly fat adapted so you're gonna have plenty of energy so in general i recommend try an intermittent fast feeding window. I typically go one to 7 p.m. So about six hours, seven hours a day is when I feed and I eat a big meal in the morning and then a big meal in the evening and I don't eat anymore and I don't need anymore. I'm not having lack of protein issues, lower carbohydrates, low energy. I have plenty of energy, I'm maintaining size, building some muscle, so I don't think it's necessary. So intermittent fast. And keep in mind, if you eat late at night, it's super destructive to your your hormones. Weight lower quality sleep, which affects your hormones and how you feel the next day, you tend to have worse insulin response. So any sort of carbohydrates you, you eat, you're gonna have higher levels of insulin postprandially, meaning after you eat your meal, you're gonna have higher levels of blood sugar and you're probably not gonna respond as well to the food coming into your body. For whatever reason, ancestrally, human beings evolve to eat during the day, to eat in the mornings, in the the afternoons, and to eat a lot less in the evenings. Whatever your rhythm is, whatever your clock is, don't eat for at least three, four, five hours before you go to bed. And if you go out and you have drinks, that's fine. But the food that you eat, that a lot of people eat, the garbage, the food truck food, the pizza, the the tacos, whatever it is, the falafel, that stuff is crap. And when you're eating that late at night, your body is, is even worse prepared to process it and you're doing a lot of damage there. So that's a pro tip there for for social health living. Let's shift over to sleep because sleep is a huge piece of this whole puzzle. So when you are dealing with your social life, in my experience, the optimal sleep time is probably for most people between 9 and 10 p.m., even sometimes 8.30 in the winter when the days are darker. And as a socialite, that's just really not feasible. It does not fit into the schedule with most people. I find that the vast majority of people are gonna to wanna to hang out past 9 p.m. And usually if you're gonna to go to bed at nine, you probably want at least 20 or 30 minutes to get ready and kind of wind down. So if your bedtime is 9 p.m. and you're out at dinner at seven, you're, you're kinda of screwed. So the timing is not ideal. So for me, what I've done is really shifted my sleep environment to support sleep. Probably the two biggest factors in getting your sleep clock, your circadian rhythm dialed is gonna be temperature and light now the light is tricky I live in a pretty bright loft and so I get a ton of natural light but you can black it out you can get your sleep environment pretty dark to the point where your body doesn't realize that it's actually nighttime you can also wear an eye mask like this one a Manta eye mask I have these on my website you can link to there and check them out in the product section they're great especially if you're traveling I sleep with an eye mask every night just so I'm used to it as well as earplugs I also use chili pad Chili Pad is a product I've done many reviews on. I highly recommend it. I'm someone who lives in a warm climate in Austin, Texas where it's it's quite hot and I like to sleep with heavy blankets on me to feel the weight of the blankets. I don't really like the weighted blankets but I like having multiple comforters on me. It just makes me feel nice and cozy and safe and comfortable and I sleep better that way. So I, I do want a chilling unit underneath my bed because if I don't have that, I start sweating, I start getting really hot, even when I turn down the thermostat. So light is important, I'm gonna show you my setup here in a second on how you can black out a loft as an example, but you can get blackout blinds at Bed Bath & Beyond. If you're traveling, you can use a garbage bag and tape and tape the windows and it literally blacks everything out. I've used them, uh, just black garbage bags and you tape all the windows um, with like painter's tape and the windows will be completely black. So if you end up staying up to like one, two in the morning and you wanna sleep until eight, nine, 10 in the morning, you can do that and your body will better understand that it's still sleep time even when the sun comes up because the light's not pouring in and your body's not experiencing the light. Even your skin has light receptors. As you know, you go out in the sunshine, you get vitamin D production from your skin. Your skin senses light and your whole body feels that. So if you're in a room, even with an eye mask on and it's bright and you're not blocking that light, you're not getting optimal sleep, and optimal sleep is one of the biggest factors here in having optimal health. So get your sleep environment really dark, kill all the lights, put electrical tape on any of the outlets, unplug devices, turn off all uh, EMF, all the Wi-Fi signals for your cell phone, absolutely just shut everything down, quiet that room, really lower the light, lower everything, so your body can really calm down and fully go into a restorative Sleep mode. So you can see here at the top, I've actually mounted a dowel along the wall with a with a wood piece of trim that is fastened at the top there to create the boundary. I've taped the seam up above here, and then I've put these blackout blinds from Bed Bath and Beyond. They're around 150 bucks for the 110 inch blackout blinds, and then I screwed in the connection here, so you can kind of see. These are screws here that hold this in. Nails won't hold as well as screws. When you pull these out, they'll kind of come apart. So I've done that, and I've really blacked everything out. Now, my door here in my bathroom has a gap. I just put a blanket down there. It blocks that light, and it makes it much darker. I've done the same thing on this side. Again, on the top, I've got the trim. And then I put a piece of the blind across the top, and I duct taped the top with two layers of duct tape so that the light wouldn't come through at the top seam and then I screwed each of the sides and then I pulled these down and then they overlap. I'll probably put clips in there because there's a little bit of a seam every now and then that I can't fully manage. But overall, this gets the room extremely dark. Let me show you as an example here. When you back up, you can kind of see no light comes through same situation over here now i tuck these in and i make sure that they're really well aligned you can actually see that pretty much all of this i just have to adjust that a little bit is completely blacked out i have my computer screen on obviously but the room itself, it's almost the point where you can't see your hand, even when your eyes are adjusted. You want that for your environment. Last thing I wanna show you here is my temperature control. This is really critical. And I would highly recommend you get a programmable thermostat, but if you don't have one, just crank it down when you go to bed and then turn it back up when you wake up. But if you look at my Nest on my screen here, I actually have a scheduling set and on the weekends I tend to stay up a little bit later so I kinda have it cooling my apartment around 4 a.m., 4.30, and then waking me up around noon, where during the week, right now my current schedule, I'm actually starting to wind down around midnight but I usually don't get to bed before two and that's because of the nature of my business. I'm, I'm dealing with um, Facebook a lot and accounts reset at 2 a.m. Central and for me, it just I'm in them between midnight and 2 a.m. Central making adjustments to budgets and things like that. And that's the ideal time to do that. And also, I'm testing this out to see if I can get my readiness score and my aura scores up, but I'm feeling much better on the weekends than when I wake up at seven or eight. And then on the weekends, I don't go to bed till like four or five sometimes. And finding that sweet spot. Some people don't live as extreme as I do, I get that. But I do think having a consistent sleep schedule really does play a factor in how you feel especially if you can really dial the environment the temperature and the actual light that you're sleeping in so that your schedule is very consistent then you're going to feel pretty darn good when you wake up on saturday night after being out till three in the morning on friday if it's only an hour later than what you normally go to bed versus being out 10 hours later than your normally your rhythm or your clock is set to last thing i want to show you here is my temperature control this is really critical And I would highly recommend you get a programmable thermostat. But if you don't have one, just crank it down when you go to bed and then turn it back up when you wake up. But if you look at my Nest on my screen here, I actually have a scheduling set. And on the weekends, I tend to stay up a little bit later. So I kind of have it cooling my apartment around 4 a.m., 4.30, and then waking me up around noon, where during the week, right now, my current schedule, I'm actually Starting to wind down around midnight, but I usually don't get to bed before two and that's because of the nature of my business I'm, I'm dealing with um, Facebook a lot and accounts reset at 2 a.m. Central and for me it just I'm in them between midnight and 2 a.m. Central making adjustments to budgets and things like that and That's the ideal time to do that. So a lot there. I hope these tips were valuable Let me know what you think in the comments below if you're new to the channel hit that like button subscribe And if you have other hacks on on this kind of topic, I'd love to hear them in the comments as well. I will see you on the next video.